right. I love you all. I love you all. 20 years. That's a long time. Not for me it is. I've only been around for 21 and a half. So 20 years is a long time for me. This, is, this place is all I've ever known. Um, this place, these people, um, whether it's the Keens, the Garrisons, Miss Sherry, um, everybody here. I mean, the pe- this is what I grew up with. Israel was my, my buddy growing up. I mean, these people have been here since the beginning. There's so many people in here I could look at and think. And, and, but really, I want to look at everybody and, and especially the people that have been here for a long time and say there's power in being planted, isn't there? Isn't there? There's power in Tom and Sarah. I mean, there's so many people I, I could look at in here and, and I could talk to and think and, and, and I could look at everybody in here and, and just say, I'm glad you're home. I'm glad you're here today. And I'd like to thank you all for being here today. This is a family. This is membership. As we're getting ready to kick off membership this week, and I tell you all what, like, this is a good place to be. And I love you all so much. Will you all pray with me? All right, Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have today to open up your word and to dive into what you have for us. Jesus, I thank you so much for the love and the grace that you have for every single person in this room today. Jesus, you are who you are and you will do what you want to do. I thank you that I have the opportunity today to talk about my best friend, my savior, my father, the one that I focus on and that I love, Jesus. I get to talk about you today. I pray today, Jesus, that everybody in this room understands and walks out of this place with purpose in their heart and with a mission on their life. I thank you for that opportunity today, and it's in your name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. All right, so I'm really excited. I'm really excited because I get to talk to you all today what I talk to our youth about all the time, and that's a piece of it. And I, today, I want to look at everybody in this place, and I want to ask you two daunting questions. Who am I and why am I here? Now, why in the world would a 21-year-old look at a group of people and and try to answer a question of who am I and why am I here? That's a question that I've been tackling, and, and, and maybe it's just a young kid trying to figure out what to do with his life, but that's a question that we all ask. No matter how old or how young, we all look at ourselves in the mirror and ask, why am I here? Who am I really? And the Bible's all about it. The Bible's all for it. He looks at us. He tells us who we are. We're king's kids. We're loved. We're all of these things. And so today, as we open up this good book to the book of Ephesians in chapter 2, I read, this is my first Christian church kid joke. Don't laugh at me. But I heard one time that the best version of the Bible is the one that you read. And so I read from what's called the message version. I call it the, we call it the dummy version downstairs. It's the starter kit to the Bible. It's where you get started. It, it's the most simple. It's the easiest. We're going to have fun today. So the best version is the one that you read. And I, I believe that. So Ephesians chapter 2. You all read that with me. If you, have, if you don't have your Bible... We tell our kids downstairs, get out your phones. You're all going to be on them anyway, so you might as well get out your phone and open up the Bible and, and read, read along with me today. We're going to have fun, all right? Ephesians chapter 2, it says this. It says, it wasn't long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. <laughs> Isn't that true? You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief, and then you exhaled disobedience. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. It says all of us are in the same boat. Every single one of us are in this boat. 
me, you, I can come down here and stand with you guys because we're all in this boat together. Paul's telling us that we're all in this boat. We've all lived on impulse. We've all done what we felt like doing. So that levels out the playing field for me today. Makes it a little bit easier because Paul's telling everybody in this room that we're all in this boat. We're all in this playing field together. We're all in this boat, right? And so it says it's a wonder that God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. But instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and he made us alive in Christ Jesus. Wow. He took our sin-dead lives and he made us alive in Christ Jesus. He did all of this on his own with no help from me. No help from you. No help from you. You didn't help him. You didn't save yourself. I look at it this way. I look at it as a Christmas present that sits under the tree. You didn't pick it out. You didn't buy it. You didn't wrap it. All you did was sit there and open it up. That's all I did. That's all you did. That's all we can ever do. And doesn't that take off pressure? Understanding that, that no matter what I do, I get to sit at this table with Jesus as a king's kid. As it goes on to read, I'll finish it out for you. It says, he took our sin-dead lives and he made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. And then he picked us up and he set us down. And where? Where? The highest heaven and company with Jesus. Everybody in this room, including myself, gets to sit at this table with Jesus. Right here. He sits right here. Jesus, God, we, we all sit together in the highest heaven and company. And so it doesn't matter what I do, right? It doesn't matter how many times I mess up. It doesn't matter what my life looks like. It doesn't matter how many times I fall. It doesn't matter what I do, how messed up I am. And I can stand here today and be honest with you. If, if he loves me, he can love pretty much anybody. Because as, as many times as I mess up and as many times as I beat myself up, I always get to come back to the realization that I get to sit at this table. That no matter how many times, no matter what I do, no matter what it is, I sit at this table, and so do you. The moment you accepted Jesus into your life, you sat at a table. You sit at a table. You don't leave the table. No matter what you do, no matter how many times you've messed up, you sit at that table. And so what does that make you? That makes you a king's kid. You walk in power and authority and blessing and breakthrough and manifestation as we're talking about in the house today. All of these things come from us understanding first who we are, that we sit at a table with Jesus. Isn't that a powerful thing? Isn't that an incredible thing that we sit at a table, not with other sinners, not with your wife or with your kids. You sit with a perfect king and a son that saved the world for every single one of us so that we get to sit at that table. And so as I open up with that, and I want to look at you all today and tell you why, who are you? You are a king's kid. You are loved. You are cherished. You are set apart. You are called. You are. And so that's the first thing I would like to answer of who am I? Well, there's much more to the answer than 
we can really get into today, but it all comes down to, I am a king's kid. And so as I look at our students that I get to preach to almost every Sunday, and we battle with this huge identity crisis in our lives, and everybody does, but especially when you're young, of who am I? And I can, I can look at you all today, and I think we can all agree that my generation has a lot of work to do on identity, don't we? And everybody does. Everybody sitting in these chairs today deals with this issue of who am I really? Because we can go to work every single day and come home every single day, watch the same TV shows, sleep in the same bed, use the same toothbrush, live the same life on repeat day after day after day. And we come to this point in our life, there was a hedge fund manager. I'm into finances. I'm a weird guy. That's what I do at UK. I love numbers for some reason. I can't get past the fourth grade, though. After adding, subtracting, dividing, and multiplying, I can't do it. I, I, don't, I can't do anything above that. But there was this guy, this hedge fund manager. He's not, a, he's not a Christian. But he said this. He said, it comes to a point in every man's life around the age of 40 and 45, and every woman as well, that you deal with that gaping, nagging, annoying, pestering voice inside of your head that says, is this really it? Is this really all there is? Is this really all there is? Is it really just this job? Is it really just this? Is this, is this really all there is? Is that it? Is that really all there is, Jesus? You came down here and lived this perfect life, and, and I just get to go to church on Sunday, work Monday through Friday, hang out with the kids on Saturday, maybe even go to a soccer game if I'm lucky, but that's really it. And we all deal with this gaping, nagging, pestering question until we understand what true purpose is, right? So what is true purpose? And Jesus talks to us a lot about it. Jesus, t was, he talks to us a lot about it because this is, he knew his purpose. Isn't it incredible that, that the, the king of this world, the savior of this world came down here and the moment he was here, he knew why. Why did he achieve so much, so fast, so quick? Because he knew why he was here. He knew that he sat at that table with his father no matter what he did. He didn't mess up because he knew he didn't need to mess up. He, didn't, he was tempted just like you and me, but he never once thought about falling into that because he knew who he was and why he was here. There's a quote that I want to read you today from a 21-year-old. 21, 21 and has anybody in here ever read The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren? Anybody ever read that? I want to read you all a quote from that today. A 21-year-old wrote this in that book, and Pastor Rick Warren, who pastors in California, wrote the, it was the best-selling book in the entire world for three years. Secular, non-secular, was the best-selling book because everybody in this world asked the same question. Why am I here? A 21-year-old said this. He said, I feel like a failure to become something, and I, and I don't even know what it is I'm supposed to become. He says, all I know how to do is to get by. Someday, if I discover my purpose... I'll feel like I'm beginning to live. When life has meaning, you can bear almost anything. But when life doesn't, you can bear almost nothing. A 21-year-old wrote that. And that brings, that brings me to almost tears because understanding the identity crisis, the gaping hole that is in every one of us, 
of why am I here? No matter how old or how young, we all ask that same question. Why am I here? And so the good news is, and the good, the great news is, is as I, as I switch the mood up is because Jesus put it there. That's why. Jesus put that nagging, gaping, annoying hole in that 45-year-old hedge funds manager's heart just like he put it in your heart today because he wants to fill the gap that you fill with so many other things. He wants to. In the book of Colossians, in the book, oh, sorry, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 21, it says this. It says, some people miss the most important thing God. It says they don't know him. They miss the most important thing. They don't know God. I think everybody in this room knows about him, right? Everybody's heard about him. Everybody knows about God. You've grew up in Sunday school or if this is your first time today, you live in this country called America, which is apparently founded on this aspect of God. You know all about him. You know plenty about him. But do you know him? Because there's a huge gaping difference between me knowing Megan and me knowing Megan. I know about a lot of people in this room, but there's not that many that I really know. Do you know him or do you know about him? When's the last time you got to find a day where you just got on your knees and just looked up to heaven and was like, Jesus, do I really know you? When's the last time you had a moment with him where you really looked at yourself in the mirror, man, and asked that question, do I really know you? Because I can go through life, I can go through trials and tribulations, and, and if I don't know my purpose, I can bear almost nothing. But when you have meaning and you have purpose, you can bear almost anything. As I look at my man Larry over here who played D1 football for Troy, right? He would be the first one to tell me that if you know your teammates and you go through battles together, you go to 5 a.m. workouts together, you go to lunch together, you go to study hall together, you do all of these things together because you have a purpose, you have an outcome that you want. So you'll go through the 5 a.m. workouts, but once you're done with football, good luck waking up at 5 a.m. every single day with no purpose. Because there's no purpose. I'm not going to go to church every Sunday because there's no purpose. There's no reason. I know, I know. I've heard the Jesus thing. I don't need to be in membership. I know the Jesus thing. I'm going to heaven. And so as you live hell on this earth, blaming, confused, lost, trying to figure out what to do, trying to figure out finances, figure out marriage, trying to figure out all these things that Jesus has told us over and over again that we're not supposed to figure out. You weren't given the answer. You don't know how to fix your marriage. You don't know how to fix these things, these gaping questions in your life. Because that's what he's here for. That's why he died. Isn't it, isn't it so true? Isn't it? And so as we look at, as we look at 1 Timothy, I'm sorry, we just read it, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. And we begin to, begin to really look at purpose. And we begin to really look at answering this question. It says this, everything, absolutely everything got started in Christ. 
and finds its purpose in him. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16 says this. Let me tell you why you're here. Jesus gets real direct. He's talking to his disciples at the Sermon on the Mount, right, bro? Like he's talking to them. He's looking at them. They're, they're asking him these questions. He drew large crowds, and all of these people were trying to get a hold of Jesus. They were trying to just understand what he was saying, why he was saying it. And so Jesus pulled his disciples, the Bible says his climbing companions, the people that were willing to go through the ringer for him, the people that were willing to do anything they could just to get a glimpse, just to get close to him, just to hear just anything that he could say they would listen. Because sometimes that's what it requires. And he looks at them and he, he tells these wondering disciples trying to figure out why they're here. What are they doing? And he looks at them in their eye, bro. And he says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. And if you lose your saltiness, if you lose your saltiness, y'all can go to the next one. All right, I'll use the Bible. There we go. Thank you, guys. All right. How will we taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness, and you'll end up in the garbage. The garbage. That's kind of, if you've read the Bible a few times, you know Jesus can get pretty blunt, right? He can say, he'll tell you how it is, and he doesn't care what you think. He doesn't care what you believe, if you're Baptist, Methodist, or everything in between. He doesn't care. He'll tell you as it is, no matter how you feel, no matter what you think, he'll tell you how it is. And he looks at you and he says, if you've lost your usefulness, you'll end up in the garbage. I have no use for you. If you've lost your purpose, what color are you bringing out in this world? Go to the next one. Here's another way to put it, he says. You're here to be light, to bring out the God colors in this world. Wow, right? He says, God is not a what? He's not a secret. <laughs> God's not a secret, but yet we treat him as such. He's not a secret to be kept, and he says, we're going as public with this, as public as a city on a hill. And so I want to ask everybody in this room a question. I want to ask you a question just as I would ask myself a question. If I were to ask your husband or your wife or whoever it is sitting next to you that you know, what color would they define you as, right? If I were to ask them another question, if you were to look at your significant other as your friend, your coworkers, and you were to ask them, do you think I'm living out my purpose? Don't ask yourself, because we're all nice to ourselves. We'll be like, of course I am. I'm living out my purpose. I'm doing everything I'm called to do. But if you were to look at your honest wife, if we want to get even better, trust me, from firsthand perspective, you want to ask your kids, what color is daddy? What color is mommy? It'd probably be a lot different. You may get black, you may get white, you may get blue, you may get purple. It depends if you just yelled at the lady at Chick-fil-A for adding pickles, or if you just, <laughs> if you just woke up in the morning and you just yell, you, they heard you yelling, even though you had the door shut. What color are we bringing out? And it, it's not, it, and I'm not talking about works. I'm not talking about this. I'm not talking about what you do wrong or what you do right. That's not what I'm here today for. Because not any of us are perfect. We don't have it all together. We don't, we're not perfect. We just have purpose. When we have purpose, you can bear almost anything. When you have a reason for living, breathing, getting up early. 
You would bear almost anything. Right? Let's read Colossians one more time. Everything, absolutely everything, got started in who? In Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? Honestly. I mean, we, we hear about him. We know him, right? Everybody's been to church a few times, if not a thousand, like me. We all have heard about him. But it wasn't really till I came to a realization where I wanted to figure out for myself who Jesus was. Who is Jesus? He's a man. He was a man. He walked on this earth. He did incredible things. He opened blind eyes. He cried at the tomb of his passed away best friend. And then just 15 minutes later, he raised him from the dead. He walked on raging waters. He led a group of just, just not the smartest group of people, but he led this group of disciples and they changed the world. He did all of these incredible things. He did all of these amazing things. And yet we treat him as if he's just some guy in the sky. We don't really get to know him. He didn't die on accident. What he did on that cross when he had thousands and thousands of angels at the snap of his finger, he could have got down from that cross and wiped out this whole earth in in less than a day if he wanted to. But he chose, he made the choice to not get off that cross so that we could have an opportunity to live for something so much better. Something so much greater. Something that he's not just a man. He didn't come down here just to walk out life just as you and me. He came down here to set an example so that you could stop. I could stop. We all could stop and understand and realize the reason I am here. It's not for my job. It's not for the amount of money I have in my 401k. As useful as these things are, it's not why he died. That's not why you're sitting in these chairs today. We're here to find purpose. Why is Christianity so popular? Why do people like it? Why why are we here today? Because you all found something missing that he could fill. And it wasn't on accident. Right? He put a purpose inside of you. And he wants you to fulfill it. But how could we ever fulfill something if we don't know who to find it from, if we don't know the ultimate source? And so we battle and we struggle and we look and we reach for all of these different areas, whether it's marriage, whether it's in your own kids. You look to find purpose in things that you never were meant to find purpose in. And I may just be 21 years old, but I know my purpose. And my purpose is not this. (laughs) This isn't my ministry. This is a peace. This isn't just what I'm called to do. I'm called to you. And you're called to me. And we're called to do this together. Right? Right? Yeah, come on. I want to give you three purposes. You can write these down. I got a few bullet points for all of you note takers. I got a few bullet points. The first thing is, what's my purpose? One of the first one is, God planned me for his pleasure. Right? We're here to practice on earth what we're going to do in heaven. 
right? That, that's something I want to talk about for just a moment. Practice on earth what we're doing in heaven, right? Like, we're not here on accident. Jesus didn't have to make this earth. He chose to. He didn't have to put you here. He chose to. He didn't put you here on an accident. We get that. He didn't give us a mind and a heart to beat the way it does and to think the way it does on accident. Everything is planned. Everything is on purpose. Just as he wants to give you purpose, he didn't mess up when he made you. You're not an accident. Let's just get that straight. But he, he delights in you. He loves you. He loves me. I know he can love you. He forgives me. I know he can forgive you. And so we find our pleasure in him because he finds his pleasure in us. He was perfectly fine. Him, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, they were cool. They didn't need me and you. We just added trouble. Trust me. We, we know. We, what have we done to, to make his life any better? Not much, but what we did bring him and what we do bring him, his relationship, his intimacy, his love. Why did he put us here? Because he wanted somebody to love. In Ephesians chapter 2, when we read that, Right after it says he put you at the table with Jesus. And the table with Jesus back in the day meant it was pretty important. If you had dinner with somebody in Jesus' day, that meant you accepted them. That meant they walked in relationship with you. They were in fellowship with you. So for Jesus and for Paul to write during this time of you sit at the table with Jesus, another translation says, that's a big deal. Jesus, one of the three things they convicted Jesus of on the cross before he died. What was one of the three? He was a friend of sinners. Because he's not afraid to sit down at the dinner table with you and talk. He's not afraid to dive into the deep stuff, into the weeds that you don't talk about. He's not afraid to really get to know you. Because why would he have come in the first place if he didn't want to get to know you? Why would he put you here? Why would he put breath in your lungs, count the hairs on your head, put you in this earth, and give you everything that he's given you, give you purpose, give you all of these abilities he's given you if you're not going to use them? Because it's not just about what you're here to do. It's about who you're here to get to know. <laughs> who do you know? Do you really know him? And this is not for the 21-year-olds. This is not for the 15-year-olds. This is for the 70-year-olds that sit in the same seat that I sit in. Do you know him? Because we could battle through life. We could go through life. You can make a way. You can act like you do. You can know the scripture. You can know the words. You can know the songs better than I ever could. You could get up here and sing them and convince everybody that you know him. But do you know him? Do you really know him? I don't get to decide that. You do. <laughs> and so he finds his pleasure inside of all of us. <clears throat> to get to know God is, is to find purpose, right? To get to intimacy with God. What is intimacy with God? Getting to know him. When's the last time you, you got in your word in the morning or late at night and sat there and just cried and talked? When's the last time you had a moment where you woke up in the middle of your day and you just kind of woke, you were already awake, but you just woke up and you got out of the day-to-day -day or the day-to-day -day life, the routine, and you really just woke up and you looked outside and you looked how beautiful it is out there and we're just like, wow, like, you really, you, you really are good at this. You really do have this. You really do got me covered, don't you? I mean, look at the beautiful clouds. Look at the sky. It can be five different colors at once and I can't even draw a stick figure. 
I can barely write my name. The teachers would always ask me. They still do. Who is this? Who's Pecker? Who's Bolton? They can't read my handwriting. They don't know. And so if he can rewrite our story and he can paint these beautiful pictures for us every day, and when we can slow down, right, and slow down, take a deep breath, and breathe in this magnificent picture, this book called life, look at this blank page. Every day we wake up, we write a story. Every decision you make, every thought you have, you write a story. I write a story. Who's at the center of our story? Who's, who's the one? We know he has the handwriting. He has the pen in his hand. He writes our story. We get it. But are we allowing him to write our story? Or are we writing our own story, hoping one day that we'll just figure it out, and when we get to heaven, everything will be all right? Because Jesus, <laughs> when Jesus came down here, he was trying to get everybody ready for heaven. Heaven's amazing. We don't even know what heaven, we know pieces of it, but our mind can't even wrap around and fathom the magnificence and the glory of heaven. We don't. We don't get it. But what Jesus made very clear, made very clear for everybody in this room, is that we're here to practice for what's next. Right? Right? We're here to get ready. You can't bring possessions. You can't bring money. You can't bring your friends. You can't bring anything. But what you can bring to heaven is your character. You can bring what you know. You can bring who you are. Because that's what's going up there. There's not going to be sin and you're not going to mess up and we get that. But who are you going to be when you get up there? Are you going to be so far behind when you get to heaven that you're like, wait, how do you worship again? How do you talk to people you really don't like again? How do you do these things? Because we're here to practice, right? Why would he put this earth here in the first place if, we, if it didn't have to do with what was next? Why didn't he just keep us in heaven? Why did he ever bring us down here? Why didn't he just pop us all out and we were born in heaven and everything was okay? He wanted you to make a choice, yes, but he also wanted you to get ready for what was next. And so many of us stop at one and never experience two. So we live hell on earth and never experience the power and glory and blessing and manifestation and life that you could have in him. What's the second thing? The first thing, if you wrote it down, was God playing me for his pleasure. In Ephesians chapter 2, right after verse 10 and verse 11, it says that he puts you down here to shower grace and kindness upon your life. To shower it. But he can only shower grace and kindness upon your life when you understand that you sit at this table. He's a gentleman, Jesus is. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way into your life. He's not. He's a gentleman. He respects you. He loves you. He's not going to bombard it and kick your door down and fix you. He's going to make you gain the knowledge, learn the system, play your part, show that you want him. And then when he has you in the place that he wants you, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, when you know the place that you are in and you sit at this table as I sit across right here and look at Jesus in his eyes, then when he has you in the right place, as Ephesians 2 chapter 6, 
Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 says, then he can shower the grace and kindness upon you. Then, not before, but then. Salvation is one thing, but you want to walk in what Jesus really has for your life? You better figure out how to get at this table. You better figure out who you really are. You better figure out why you're really here. Because without purpose, life's always going to be hard. It's never going to be fun. Everybody's going to have a frown, and you'll never turn it upside down. (laughs) It'll just stay there. (laughs) It'll just be that way. And so the second thing I want to talk to you all about is first, God planned us for his pleasure. Is that good? Do you all get that? Is that we understand that? The second one is God formed me for his family. He formed me for his family. Romans chapter 12, verse 5. You all have that. We'll read that together if you all have it on your Bible. It says, we belong to each other. Each of us needs all the others. I could read a million verses that talks about belonging to each other. I could read a million verses that talks about us to walk in unity and power and life together. But as we look at Romans chapter 5, it says we belong to each other. Each of us needs each other. It's pretty much what it's saying. I need you. You need me. I need Naomi. She needs me. I need my dad. He needs me. I need Xavier. He needs me. Right? We need each other. I may not even know you yet, but you need me and I need you. You need purpose just like I need purpose. You need to make a decision in your life to stop lollygagging around and allow yourself to go through life just like I do. We all have an opportunity, but it all starts with understanding. Listen, listen, listen. It all starts with understanding the reason that Jesus died and came down to this earth and the reason that he left his disciples and planted that church is so he could get his bride ready. And if you're not truly a part of that bride, you're missing out on the most significant thing that this world has to offer, which is his lovely and beautiful and perfect church. And though us crazy people are in it, and though us crazy people try to mess it up in every way that we can, Come on. Jesus is coming back for us. Yeah. Right? He's coming back. And he's not coming back for a disorganized, dysfunctional, broken place. He's coming back for a beautiful bride that we must prepare and get ready for. He's coming back for you and me. Not this building. It's not going to heaven. He's, who is the church? We know it. We're the church. So why don't we act like a church and stop acting disunified and broken and he likes this and she likes this and he's that and and she's that and you know what I like Jesus makes it very clear that he wants you in this place. If you are not here on Wednesday signing up for membership, that's a decision you make. No decision is your decision. No decision is a decision. I'll wait. Time's not on your side. It's not on my side, right? If you believe in the heart of this house, if you believe in the heart of what's happening here, you need to find a home. Because a human need is security. We all need it. He put it inside of us. And if you're not committed to a group of people, you will never truly experience everything that Jesus has for you. You won't. There's power in being planted. The third thing I want to talk to you all about as I stop pitching membership. <laughs> third thing I want to talk to you all about is becoming like Jesus Christ. That's the third thing. Becoming like Jesus. Because first you have to understand that he has you here for a purpose and that he loves you and that he cares about you no matter what you do. 
and that he put you here so he could release love into your life, right? Right, Bell? Like, that's why he put us here. And the second thing is we have to understand that we're here for a group of community of believers to love each other, to walk out life together. We get that. The third thing, before you get to the third of becoming like Christ, one and two have to be in your life. You can never become like Christ if you don't have iron to sharpen your iron. You can never become like Christ if you don't have somebody to talk to when hell hits your life and everything's breaking down and you can't call on Pastor Mark and you can't call on Naomi and you can't call on Miss Gwen. If you can't call on somebody in this house, you're not in this house. You're just attending. If you can't call on, if you don't feel comfortable to talk to me or to talk to my dad or to talk to Becca or to talk to Tom, if you don't feel comfortable to reach out and to commit and to buy in, not to your friend that you sit next to, not to your husband or wife that you sit next to, but the leadership that God himself placed in this house, are you truly here? Because to become like Christ, you have to understand the order of Jesus Christ. To become like Jesus, you have to first know him. You have to know his people, and then you have to walk out life together. Right? Right? <laughs> One, he wants us here for his pleasure. Two, he wants you to walk out life together. Three, he wants you to become like him. And four, he wants you to walk in ministry. Ministry is not a stage. This is a piece. This is a small piece of what I'm called to do. This is a, this is, most of us will ever, never, ever, never touch this stage, and that doesn't make you any less powerful, holy, or any of that than me. I can pro- you can have the microphone, and you can get up here and talk if you want. I'll listen. I'm fine with that. I'm not here to get you all to like me or to make myself look good. I don't need that. Gabby tells me I look good all the time. I don't need that. Fourth one is ministry, right? Ministry is the job you have, the household you lead, the children you serve, the people you walk out life with is your ministry. Facebook can be your ministry if you want to, but what would Facebook say about you? Would Facebook just tell you how many times you've complained and how many people you've brought down and how many disagreements you've had? Because there's an opportunity. I I may just be a young kid, but I've impacted just as many people on Instagram as I have under under my microphone, and that might sound crazy. But I put out these videos, and I have kids from all around the country that DM me talking about their problems. And I get to help them through that. People talk to me all the time. Hey, man, I'm just struggling with anxiety. Depression's taking over my life. And I get the opportunity, not the burden, but I get the opportunity to pour into young people all around this place because of this gift of social media that can rip people apart and can tear people down and can lead you astray. But it's also an opportunity, just as anything is in this world. It's an opportunity. And how we use that opportunity is something that we miss. Right? The fifth one, and as we close today, is evangelism. Evangelism is the fifth purpose Because it starts with one, understanding that I'm loved, right, Sam? Like, it understands that I'm loved. Like, that's why I'm here, right? Every single person in this room is loved, is chosen, is set apart as we close today. Every single person is. The second one, every single person is called to be a part of a house. 
If you're not a part of a house and you're not truly committed to a house, you will never truly ever even come close to even fathom walking out life how he wants you to walk it out. You won't. And it's not a Sunday service. It's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The church is more than a Sunday. These are the people I walk out life with. I'll be the first one and I will always protect the church. I will never let anybody talk down upon this house. I will never let anybody talk down upon my leaders. It won't happen. And you shouldn't either. This is our house, right? This is our house. The third one, as we've, I'm going to keep repeating them because you've got to beat it over a dog's head until we get it. I've had to read this and teach myself this 20 times before I get it. What's the first one? He finds his pleasure in me. The second one, I'm a part of this house. The third one, to become like Jesus Christ. The fourth one is ministry. Not on a stage. Ministry. Fifth one is evangelism. And I'm not going to be the guy to sit up here and be like, when's the last time you prayed for 17 people in Kroger? Not going to do it. I'm just not. I'm not going to tell you you have to stand on your lunch table and shout your whole, all your coworkers down. If you want to, you better go for it. <laughs> Whatever he's telling you to do, do it. You want to pray for all of Kroger? Pray for all of Kroger. Nobody wants to, but when he puts it inside you to do it, we listen, right? We listen, right? No matter what I want to do, no matter what I want to say, no matter how many people I don't want to talk to, and no matter how many unlovable people I'm called to love, I do it because he calls me to it. So should you, right? I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. I can promise you that. But what I do understand and what is I want every single person in this room to understand is the first, who am I? Who are we? Starts with a K, ends with a D. I'm a king's kid. I sit at this table just like you are sitting in these seats. And he sits right here. And we talk. And we laugh, and we cry, we have good times, we have bad ones. He's always there, though. He never leaves the table. He doesn't get tired of me and go to lunch. He doesn't get tired of me and leave. He doesn't get sick of me messing up and screwing up and messing everything up and, and, and falling short and just like, you know what, Parker, you're done, buddy. You, you're done today. We'll start tomorrow. No matter how late in the night, no matter what time it is, I get the opportunity to wake my eyes up in the middle of my day and sit at that table. No matter what. Right? Jesus, as everybody bows their head and as we pray. Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity today that everybody in this room understands first who they are. That they are a king's kid and they sit at this table with you. And secondly, Jesus, that every single person in this room understands that their purpose is not found in their children, is not found in their spouse. It's a piece of your purpose, but your purpose ultimately, as the good book says, is to find your purpose in Jesus Christ. As that 21-year-old said and wrote in that book, every head bowed, every eye closed, he said, Without purpose, I can bear almost nothing. But with it, I can bear almost anything. What are you bearing right now? What burden is on your heart? 
What's pulling at you is that nagging voice inside of your head that tells you, is this all there really is? Is this all there really is to life? Is it really just a job? Is it really just going on Sunday and never talking to anybody and sneaking out the back door? Is it really all there is to life? Or is there community out there that loves me? And that I love back. And that I'm not easily offended by. It doesn't matter what they say. I'll stay in that house. It doesn't matter how many times I've hurt. I'll stay in that house because I'm committed. That nagging voice inside of you. That ask, is this it? Is this, all, is this the only reason? Is this really why I'm here? There's got to be more. That gaping hole, if it's still nagging you and it's still bothering you, doesn't mean that you're not saved. It's not what it means. It means you haven't found your purpose. And we're going to sing a couple of songs, and if you have to exit, you can exit after this prayer. But if you want to come up and you want to worship, and you want to release these things off of your life, and you want to tell Jesus and start on your knees today if you would like, and you want to figure out number one, which was I am going to get on my knees and find out where I am with God because I don't just want to know about God anymore. I want to know him. I want to sit at that table like this kid on the stage is talking about. He may not know everything, but, but Jesus, allow them to understand how much you love them and you care about them and the calling that they have and the blessings that they have waiting on them just around the corner and that the shame and the anxiety and the depression and the worry and the doubt and the financial and marriage and kid and, and the struggles... Do not define them. But as we take our last breath on this earth, God, we can't bring anything, but we can bring us. And we can bring you inside of us. And God, never allow one person under the sound of my voice to miss the reason why they are put in this earth. Is not to attain. Is not to accumulate. Is not to become something to please others. But is to become a king's kid. God, you could give us this whole world. You offered Jesus the whole world, devil. You offered him everything as far as the eyes could see. And he said no. Why did he say no with every head bowed and every eye closed? Why did he say no? He said no because he knew his purpose. He didn't need possessions to make him look better. He didn't need people to affirm him. He didn't need people to stop trying to offend him. He didn't need the pastor to please his fancies. He didn't need anyone, but Jesus needed his father. And you may not need me as much as you think. You just need you. And you need a moment with him. And you need a moment where you open your eyes to the realization that you can't figure it out, you won't ever figure it out, you don't know the answer, you never will know the answer, but your purpose, no matter if you're 15, 50, 17, or 70, or everywhere in between or above, you have a purpose no matter where you are at in life, you can find it. And when we worship in these songs, you can stay in your seats or you can come to the altar. But I want you to have a real moment. If you have to tell your wife or your husband, honey, just leave me alone for just a moment. If you have to send your kids out to the lobby, they'll be okay. I want you to have a moment where you close your eyes and really, really tap into 
who Jesus is to you. and Have a real conversation with a real God that really loves you a lot. So Jesus, I thank you for every person in this room under the sound of my voice today that they understand point one through five today that you're here to please them, that you love them, that they're called to a family, that they're here to become like you. We'll never be a God, but we can be like you. The fourth one is that we can do ministry and the fifth one is we can evangelize and tell people what's on the inside of us just as I am doing today. Allow us in Kroger, allow us at the grocery, wherever we go. Allow us at the bank to tell the teller how good Jesus is. Allow us to never keep our purpose to ourselves because that's a sin in and of itself. Allow us in this moment to understand the magnitude of your life, that your life has purpose and you are called for a purpose, to a purpose, not to change the whole world, but to change the world around you. That you're called to your household, you're called to your family, you're called to your brothers and your sisters, you're called to your schools, your jobs, you're called to wherever you're at. And you're called to be that shining light. You're called to be that salt of the earth. Because without it, we're garbage.